Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, well, let's see. We are, we are uh, in the chapter here about, uh, I think, 23 reasons why people don't receive healing. Um, he's going through, Brother Arthur's going through several, several different things that he has observed over the years as uh, reasons why people may not receive healing. And so these are some good things to uh, review because, you know, they may apply to you. They may not apply to you, but they may apply to other folks. So it's a wide range of, of things that he has observed over the years. And I think they're good uh, foundations for what he has here uh, that would that give us uh, some areas to review our own lives in and to make sure that uh, we're, we're not falling into any of these particular traps here. Uh, and so uh, last week we talked about um, the community of unbelief and, um, you know, at the, at the end of that discussion, really the thing that you need to uh, review in your own life is who are you listening to around you that's trying to dissuade you from God's healing power? Well, you know, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, you know, you don't really believe that kind of stuff. Or, you know, sometimes God wants you to be sick or whatever. Um, but what, what, what voices are you listening to, right? Well, you know, we need to go older. You just have to, you, you know, there's just some things you're just going to have to have. You know, you're just going to have to put up some things. Uh, you know, that's the community of unbelief, right? And, and uh, that's in every church. It doesn't matter if there's a charismatic, you know, sign on the front or not. You know, that there, there is unbelief uh, in every circle that you walk in. Uh, so the question for you is how surrounded are you with that, right? I mean, if it's just once in a blue moon you hear it, that's fine. Uh, but if it's all you hear, it's going to be hard for you to stay the course in faith. Amen. And, uh, you know, I know when I got born again as a teenager, uh, I got born again in a charismatic church that believed in healing. And so when, of course, I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that you could believe God for healing. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know anything, you know. And, and they started teaching that. And, and my assumption was, I mean, that sounds like what a good God would do, right? Uh, he would heal people. And I just assumed that that was an obvious thing. I didn't, it was years later that I started finding out that people actually didn't believe that. And I, and I was thinking, well, why wouldn't you believe that? The Bible teaches that, you know, and. Uh, you know, I was just really naive, you know, that not, uh, you know, I thought there would be one or two people maybe who didn't believe that because, I mean, for some things like that, why wouldn't you believe that God's a healer? Uh, and, um, uh, but, you know, some people grow up in that. They grow up in, in a church that tells them all the time that God doesn't heal. And even in a lot of the Pentecostal churches, they'll tell them that, well, God doesn't always heal. Well, if God doesn't always heal, then what do you apply your faith to? Because faith is God does this and he doesn't change. So if God might do that, then that's not really faith. You can't have faith in God might do that, right? Just like um, a sovereign move of God. If it's a sovereign move of God, then will God do it? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a question whether, because whether, um, uh, if he didn't promise that he would do it, just uh, for example, in the, uh, in the Great Commission, uh, the, the Great Commission said, that these signs shall follow them that believe in Mark chapter 16. And it goes on to several things. And at the end of it, it says, and they shall lay hands on the sick and what? They shall recover. So we can have faith that if we lay hands on the sick as believers, that they'll recover. Amen. And that's our faith. And well, what if you, what, what if you, uh, you know, what if you don't know the person's faith that you're praying for? Well, unless the spirit of God gives you more information because sometimes, you know, their attitudes or their history or whatever could be a hindrance to their, to their believing. But if you don't have a thus say the Lord or an unction from the spirit of God, then you believe that when you lay hands on sick, they shall recover. But notice it never says that the believer shall uh, pray for the dead and they'll be raised from the dead. So raising from the dead is a sovereign act of God. Will he do it? Maybe, maybe he won't. You don't know. You have to, in the moment, find out from the will of God, from the Spirit of God, do you want me to, to raise this person from the dead? So there's no general faith because there's no general word that says we can believe God that he will raise the dead. Now, has he raised the dead? Plenty of times. Did Jesus raise the dead? Plenty of times he did. Did Peter raise people from the dead? Uh, he did. Did Paul raise people from the dead? He did. So we see that God is still raising people from the dead, but we have no promise to say he'll always do it. So the best we have is hope, right? We can hope that he will. We can petition that he will. But can we, can we guarantee that he will? We can't guarantee that he will because he never said that he would all the time. But for healing, he said that by his stripes you were healed, the believer shall lay hands on the sick. So we can always believe uh, that we can be healed because we have the word of God for that. 
So, uh, if, but if you're living around people and listening to people all the time, well, you know, you, can, you don't really believe that God always heals. Even though that's, in, that's uh, contrary to the word of God, because the word of God clearly says that uh, you can always be healed. So, uh, so for us, uh, be careful about who you listen to the most. Amen. Be careful about who has a significant influence in your life in the area of faith. Um, and so, you know, if you just like listen to the old, old old town gospel, you know, show, whatever it is. I don't know if there's such thing like that. It probably is. But but if it's all doubt and unbelief, you know, turn the channel, you know, watch the, watch some taped commercials or something that might get more out of it. But um, but just be careful. Amen. Uh, because you don't want to be in a community of unbelief because it will get on you. You know, there is. Uh, people, uh, you know, that were called sheep for a reason, right? We have the herd mentality many times. If if the flow is going in that way, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. We'll go that way many times. You know, if everybody believes the wrong thing, we may all believe the wrong thing just because, well, everybody's believing that. It must be, you know, maybe that's the right thing to believe. So just be careful, you know, just, and really it's easy. Uh, are the things that you're hearing, uh, do they line up with the word of God? If they do, praise God, hang around there all the time, right? If all you hear is things that are contrary to the word of God, um, then then you might want to question, you know, do you need to hang around that area more, right, or less? Uh, and, of course, that's for you to decide, right? Uh, and um, But the Lord will show you if that's a hindrance to your faith, amen? Because sometimes the Lord will send you into a community of unbelief to help them, right? That you'll be the seed that helps them change. So you've got you've to be led by the Spirit of God uh, in the circles that you're, that you're in. You know, why are you there? Um, if you're an influencer and you're trying to help them move the move the needle from unbelief to, to belief, praise God. But if but if it's but if you find yourself believing God less because you're hanging around there, you know, you might want to consider is that where God wants you to be and, and talk to the Lord about it. Amen. And so the next uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, the next uh, uh, area that he's talking about is uh, the, the traditions of men. And he says here in Matthew chapter 15, um, let's start in verse 1. It says, then came, then, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. <laughs> and Jesus, he's just so smart. Uh, he's, Jesus answered and said to them, why do, you, uh, why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? Uh, you know, uh, some people, the traditions of men are so important. I mean, just, you know, oh, I can't believe you did that, you know. Uh, and um, in fact, I think we had one person ask us here, why, why did, what did they ask us to do? Why don't we say the Lord's a benediction or something, benediction at the end of the service or something like that? It was a tradition that some churches do, you know, they sell the benediction, uh, the benediction, uh, you know, um, uh, anybody remember what the benediction is? Some about the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, it's, it's, yeah, something to that effect, right? Uh, but I mean, it's not even scripture, it's just, it's a tradition, right? Uh, now, you know, I don't have a problem with tradition, and I like the benediction, you know, I mean, if I could remember it, I would like it even more, right? But, uh, um, but um, you know, I tend to like what the word says myself, but. But, you know, it was, a, and it was a sincere, sincere question, you know, why don't you all do that? And, you know, to me, to be, to be honest, I don't have time to learn a bunch of tradition. I just like to learn, look what the, what the word says, do that, right? And, um, I mean, you know, just everything else, just uh, I just don't have time for those things, you know, and don't, not interested in finding out those things. Uh, but, but you know, I just love, isn't Jesus so smart? You know, why do, why do you uh, transgress the tradition of elders? Like, is that important? I mean, are we supposed to do that? Are we supposed to do, you know, what the, what the elders did and have a secret handshake or whatever it is that they did? Uh, and uh, Jesus said, why do you transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? So sometimes our tradition overrides the commandments of the Lord, right? Now, in this case, you know, they're talking about the, uh, um, the washing of hands, but Jesus said, you're violating honor your father and mother and he that... Uh, Curseth the father and mother, let him die the death. Uh, and he said, in the context of what Jesus was talking about is, you know, you say that it's okay to not help your father and mother as long as you're helping the church, but that's not what the word says. The word says, honor thy father and mother, amen? And so if you've got to decide to help your father and mother or help the church, then, you know, really you should honor your father and mother. I mean, that's what he was saying, right? Why would you, and the context is really financially helping your father and mother. Uh, you know, a lot of people 
because the preachers will preach so hard about money that they think if I don't give to the church, you know, even if mom and dad has to go hungry, I'll be okay because I'm obeying God, and which is just kind of crazy, right? But, uh, you know, why would you let your mom and dad go hungry uh, but, but give money to the, to the church? Uh, uh, and so, so that, but that was the context of that. But the, the traditions of men many times will override uh, the, the law of God, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and then he goes through several examples of that. You know, one of them says that uh, one tradition of men is that God is the author of disease, uh, and, and, of course, they'll pull out some obscure verses sometimes. A lot of times they'll pull out Job. Uh, you know, it's amazing how much of a Bible scholar Job was. That so many people quote him, and he knew almost nothing, right? I mean, nearly everything he said was wrong. Uh, and, 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 in fact, uh, you know, the, about the only thing he said that was true was uh, that which I feared the most has come upon me. You know, that was a true statement, right? Uh, and so why would you base your doctrine upon somebody who greatly feared everything in the world and it all came upon him. So uh, what, came, what came on him? Sickness and disease. Well, that came about because of fear. What else came upon him? De- death and destruction. Well, he, that came about because he feared. What else came about? Complete poverty and, and lack. Well, that was because he feared those things. So why is he an example about anything except for the very end when he finally repented? Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, I don't know why we, it seems like we pick the worst people, you know, when Jesus was at the leper and the leper said, if, if, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And Jesus said, I will be thou whole. But we forget what Jesus said. Well, yeah, but look at the leper said, but that's, you know, who knows more between the leper and Jesus? Who's going to establish doctrine more between the leper and Jesus? It's always going to be Jesus. So why are we looking at the wrong? Well, we look at those because those other, those other voices uh, align with our traditions. Well, you know, God's the author of disease and, you know, he uses, he uses disease to help us, right? To help us stay humble. Um, which is funny because, you know, and I hear people say, Lord, make me humble. And yet every time when you read about humility, what does it say? Humble thyself under the mighty hand of the Lord. There's nowhere in the Bible that says God will humble you, right? Uh, uh, no, no prayer for God to humble me. Uh, the, the prayer is God uh, show me how to stay humble and I, w- I will choose to remain humble. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but you know, that's, uh, uh, and some people get fighting mad. If you, if you upend their tradition, uh, they will be fighting mad, you know. I mean, just like, you know, the, the, uh, the benediction of doxology, if you don't do that, you know, I mean, they just, they'll get mad and leave, you know. Uh, and, you know, I remember one person said, well, we can't come to your church. Well, you know, why can't you come? Well, you don't receive communion every Sunday. Okay, are you, are you just like hungry or something? I mean, why, why, I mean, is there any book, chapter, and verse that says you've got to receive communion every Sunday? I mean, uh, you, I mean, is that going to put you over, you know? I mean, uh, uh, but is there any book, chapter, and verse? But they said, I can't imagine going to a church that doesn't uh, receive communion every Sunday. Well, we have three services a week. What about Wednesday? What about healing school? We're in healing school. You know, actually, healing school would be a good time to receive healing because half of the communion uh, uh, is about healing, right? Uh, and, and so, but uh, how, so how often do you receive communion? It's up to the tradition of men, right? Because Jesus said, however often you do it, do it in remembrance of me. But did he say how often we should do it? No, so... Whenever you do it, no matter how often you do it, it's it, it's your tradition. So our tradition is we receive it once a month. Is anything wrong with receiving it every week? Not a thing wrong with receiving it every week. Is anything wrong with receiving it once a year? Nothing wrong with receiving it once a I mean, he said do it, you know. And so it, it implies that you should do it some. Uh, what if you never do it? Well, you know, don't want to do it some. I mean, you know, well, how often is some? I don't know. He didn't say how often. So is, is there a law? Well, there's no law. Uh, but to, to say I can't go to church, I can't go to a particular church because they don't do this tradition says that it doesn't matter what the spirit of God tells me to do. I can't do that because they don't do the tradition of men. Well, then you've elevated the tradition of men over the commandments of the Lord, because if the Lord said to go there, well, Lord, I can't go there. I had some people say, well, I can't go to storefront church. That's a tradition of men. Is there I mean, is there a book, chapter, verse thou shall not go to a storefront church? I mean, that isn't that a tradition of men. So what are you missing out because, well, I can't go to the church there. So you've just immediately written off, you know, X number of churches, right? Uh, and, and, I mean, what does storefront even mean? It's a building, right? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, maybe we put a steeple on it. But I've had some people say, you better not put a steeple on your church. 
you know, I'm thinking about putting a steeple just because sometimes I like to stick my thumb in some people's eyeballs, you know, because it's like, you know, uh, it's none of your business if I put a steeple in this church anyway, right? It's of the devil. It seems like your attitude is more of the devil than, than whether a steeple is of the, you know, now we're getting into being a pastor, right? Uh, but, um, uh, and so, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I had some people, one person say, well, I can't imagine going to a small church. Is there any book, chapter, and verse that says, Thou shalt not go to a small church? They were all small at one point in time, right? Uh, and so, um, what is that? That's a tradition of men, right? I have to go to a church of a certain size. Tradition of men, right? Uh, and, you know, nothing wrong with you. You have a preference, you know, and, Lord, and you say, Lord, you, I got church A, church B. Which one should I go to? And he said, Well, just say whichever one you want to is fine, which I, I think it'd be unlikely he would do that. But if he did that, then it's up to you, right? Well, I like the big church because they got a nice uh, playground and they got a you know running track over there, and you know you get free TVs every time you go to church. And, uh, I mean, it, but I, and I and I know people that preach against big churches. Well, you know, there's no big church that can follow God. Is there anything in the Bible that says uh, big churches are unable to follow God? No. So, uh, traditions of men, right? All those are traditions of men. If you don't have book, chapter, and verse for it, then it's a tradition of man. It's not. It's not doctrine. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, is God the author of disease? No. And, but where did that come from? Who's got the most interest into uh, getting you to believe that, that the devil is not the in- author of disease, but God is? That'd be the devil, right? And a lot of these things, if you look at it, it's like, well, who's got the most interest in, in uh, getting this tradition to be established? It would be the devil, right? Uh, another tradition he said is, we can glorify God more by remaining sick and exhibiting patience than we can by being divinely healed. Because if you get healed immediately, well, yeah, I mean, you didn't suffer at all. So, you know, what kind of a witness is that? <laughs> Pretty good witness, I think. But, you know, I mean, uh, what do I know? Uh, but some people think, well, you know, and, and some people have what I call the martyr syndrome. You know, they think that their life has to be so hard so they can, you know, oh, look how hard my life is. But I love Jesus. Don't look at me. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord, you know. Uh, and and uh, doesn't that sound doesn't that sound spiritual? It makes me kind of want to throw up a little bit, you know, just a little bit there because it's just so prideful because all the attention, they really want it all on them, right? Don't look at me, but please do look at me. Uh, And uh, they can glorify God more by remaining sick because we have no examples in the Bible where people glorified God after getting healed, right? Uh, Except that's not true. Uh, In fact, we're going to look at a few of them here. Uh, And so in Matthew chapter 9, uh, it says in verse eight, but when the multitude saw it, the man that was born by four when he was healed. So, you know, when the man got uh, it's also in Luke, Luke chapter five, but the man that was born by four was healed. The multitude saw it and they marveled and glorified God. Did they glorify God before he got healed? No, they, got, they glorified God after he got healed. Right. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 31, it says in so much that the multitudes wondered when they saw the dumb to speak. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean lack of intelligence, right? That means they, they have the un- inability to speak. Because uh, I mean, we've seen, if you watch TV, you'll see the dumb speak every day, right? Well, that's a different kind of dumb, right? Uh, and so, uh, in so much that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk and the blind to see, did they glorify the God of Israel? Did they glorify the God of Israel before any of these things happened? No, there was none of that going on. In Luke chapter 7, verse 16, it says, And there came a fear on all, because the widow of at Nain's son was raised from the dead. Uh, that's my notes there. But uh, the fear came on all of them, and they glorified God after the son was raised from the dead, saying that uh, a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. Uh, and so uh, did they glorify God before the son was raised from the dead? No, what were they doing? They were in mourning. Amen. Because the son, the young son had died. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, so it's unfortunate there's no Bible that says God gets great, greater glory when, when people get healed. Right. And Luke chapter 13. I'm being facetious. Right. Uh, Luke chapter 13 and verse 13. It says, and he laid hands on her, the woman with the spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So did, uh, did God get glory when uh, she was healed? He did. Right. Uh, and then it says, in, uh, let's see, in Luke chapter 17, it says, And one of them, one of the ten lepers, when he saw uh, that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And so there were ten lepers healed. One of them w- was made whole, and uh, he was the only one who glorified God after he was made whole. 
in Luke 18:43, and immediately the blind man, uh, the blind man at Jericho, he received his sight and followed him, Jesus, and glorifying God. So he glorified God after he re, uh, regained his sight. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Uh, and then the last one is in Acts 4:21. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding nothing how they might punish them because uh, of the people. For all the men glorified God for what was done. This was talking about when the lame man at the gate beautiful was healed in Acts chapter 3. All the men glorified God for what was done. So people glorify God when they see God move. When they see God not move, there's nothing to glorify God about because he hasn't done anything. Uh, and so, uh, so it's, it's, it's just a red herring when we say we can glorify God more by remaining sick and exhibiting patience, the patience of Job. Well, Job got into his situation by sin. That's why at the end of Job, he had to repent. Why do you, there's no need to repent if he hadn't sinned, right? And the moment he repented, he got everything back. So why are we watching somebody who, you know, he was in sin for 42 chapters, right? There's 42 chapters in, in his own, the last chapter that he got everything back. Why are you going to follow somebody who does that? Yeah, I'm going to follow him because for nine months, that's about how long they think Job's, Job's trials were of nine months, he was in sin out of the will of God. Finally, he got in the, back in the will of God and got everything restored. But they forget all that part. They want to go follow him. And so when people say, oh, yeah, I'm going through Job experience. Oh, that's great, man. You can repent anytime you want to and get it all back. You know, that, to me, that should be good news, right? And of course, people act, look at you like you're crazy, right? Uh, and, and I even went through and showed somebody who believes Job, you know, we should follow Job's experience. Well, let's just see what the word says. What's it say right there? And, and Satan went and struck Job. Okay, what's that say right there? Well, Job said that which I feared the most to come upon me. Yeah, okay. Then what's it say right here? Well, Job repented. What's it say next? Well, Job got restored. Okay, so, so who was at fault? Well, God put it all on him. But we just read through. The devil did it. You know, Job did it. And then once, once Job repented, God restored everything to Job. That's the only thing God did. Uh, and, uh, you know, it never says that God put uh, these things on Job. It said that he revealed to the devil that job is in your hands but job was in his hands before god ever revealed it to the devil to begin with because he was in fear you get in fear you get out of the will of god you get on the devil's territory and it may take the devil's you know he's one of the dumb who speaks sometimes right the devil didn't realize it until the lord showed him he would have figured out it eventually though and and took uh, took all those things from job so can we glorify god more by remaining sick no because number one can you complete the Great Commission to go into all the world if you're sick in bed? I mean, the, the, the very thing uh, when Jesus said to, to go into all the world, that's the very first thing he told us to do, right? And the very first thing he told us to do, we're unable to do if we're sick. And so we are unable to complete the will of God. And so you're telling me somehow that although you're violating the will of God over here by not going to all the world and preach the gospel, somehow you're doing the will of God by not being well enough to to preach the gospel, right? Because if you can't speak, if, you, if you're intubated or you're in a coma or you're, you know, and I'm not disparaging anybody who's in those things. I'm just saying that if you're saying that that is what glorifies God, then you're out of, then you're, you're out of alignment with the word of God, amen? Because we just read how many verses uh, and you won't find and, and, they, and, they, uh, and they obtained sickness and glorified God for the sickness they had just obtained. No, you won't find any of that, amen? Uh, and so... Be careful about the, the traditions of men, right? Uh, be careful about um, uh, saying things like, well, God gets more glory out of me being sick than he does out of me being healed because we just read a dozen or so uh, verses that showed God gets glory when he moves on uh, behalf of his children. Uh, another one is that the age of miracles has passed. Anyone heard that? Age of miracles has passed, right? God's not doing that anymore. That was great while it was happening. But uh, but now that that time is over. Right. And they use scriptures like uh, in fact, uh, I'll just show you one scripture that they use uh, because, uh, you know, I told you when I when I first started the, the class here years ago, I called up one of my friends who goes to the first church of doubt and unbelief. You know, what, what is it that you guys why don't you believe in healing? And, and they gave me some scriptures. They gave me this was this is one of them. Uh, and uh, to prove why God doesn't heal anymore. Uh, and so. Um, which is kind of funny because I thought, well, I never read that scripture that way. You know, I guess if you really try hard and unbelief, you can get there, right? So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says in verse 8, charity never faileth. 
and so that word charity is, is really the love of God, so love never faileth. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. So uh, where it talks about prophecies and tongues, that they're going to come to an end, um, it says in verse, uh, in verse 10, but then when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So uh, their statement is that the thing that's perfect that came is the word of God. Uh, and so when that came, then all these other things that were done in part were done away with, which just doesn't even make any sense because the word of God says you can be healed supernaturally. So how, how does that even do away with the miracles, right? Uh, you know, uh, and so it, it doesn't, you know, to me, doubt and unbelief is just, it's just dumb because it doesn't make any sense to me, right? Faith makes sense to me. God said it and, you, and we believe it. Oh, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, the, 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 the level that people have to go to to get into unbelief, like a statement like this, that the age of miracles has passed, it is it defies all logic, right? Defies all Bible entirely. But they'll use verses like this, that then that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. But, but the problem with that statement is what are the, one of the things that's going to be done away with in verse 8? Prophecy is fine. Tongues is fine. It's so supernatural. Yeah, we've got to get rid of those. But the last one says when knowledge is one of the things that are going to vanish away. Has knowledge come to an end? I mean, our whole life is is dedicated to the pursuit of the knowledge of the word of God. I mean, that's part of our life as Christians is to pursue the knowledge of the word of God. Do we know all there is to know about the word? How much time do we spend studying the word of God to learn more about the, what the word of God says? I mean, you know, if you're in the ministry like I am, I spend a lot of time reading the word, studying the word, obtaining knowledge of the word. So so has knowledge come to an end? Then if knowledge has to come to an end, then neither has prophecy, neither has tongues and neither has miracles and signs and wonders. Right. Uh, and, and they'll say that, well, uh, God has given us doctors to replace uh, uh, supernatural healing. How is that a better? How is that an upgrade? Because, you know, God only moves forward, right? He never backs up and says, well, I'm going to give you something worse now. You know, I mean, you had great healing under the Old Testament, New Testament. It's even better, but you get no healing, right? So, you know, you go down and you, and you say, boss, can I get a, a raise? I'm going to give you a raise. It's going to be better. You're making $10 an hour right now. Starting tomorrow, you're going to make $8 an hour. And that's better. Well, how's that better? Because 8 is better than 10. And you're like, could I ask a question? What? How is 8 better than 10? And they look at you like, well, if you don't know, then, you know, then you're not smart enough to figure it out. If I have to explain it to you. And they'll, they'll demean you, won't they? I mean, if you don't know that 8 is better than 10. What's wrong with you? Uh, and you ever had that, that attitude by unbelievers, you know, Christians who are unbelievers? You know, well, if you don't know that doctors are better than supernatural instant healing, then I, I can't explain it to you. I mean, you know, there's just no words can explain that, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and they'll say things like, when the last apostle died, the age of miracles ceased. Well, you know, I can actually hook up with that statement uh, because they, they've never read the word. Because they think that the last of, that there were only 13 apostles, right? That there was the original 12. And then Matthias got, got uh, you know, he, he got uh, signed up in Acts chapter 1. And then Paul was an apostle. So that's really 13, right? I mean, we're not going to count Judas. You know, he's off the list. But um, so there was 13 apostles. And that was it. And that after, after he died, no more apostles. Except the problem is that that the apostolic ministry is part of the New Testament church, and it's still in active use today. God's still calling apostles today. There were more than the 12 apostles in the book of Acts, right? Silas was an apostle. Timothy was an apostle. You know, uh, you know there's at least 25 either named or unnamed uh, apostles talked about in the New Testament, which implies that the apostolic ministry is still in effect today. So, you know, if you, so when someone says, well, the last apostle died, miracle stopped, you're 100% right. They look at you like, really, you agree with that? I thought you went on in faith. I do. But, but last, yeah, yeah. So th they ceased 2,000 years ago? No, because they're still apostles today, right? But were apostles the only one who provided healing in the New Testament? No. What, what happened in Acts chapter 8 with uh, Philip, right? Uh, uh, in fact, let's just turn over there. So you, 
Because, you know, the Lord doesn't show us all the examples, but he shows us just enough to know that to, to, to remove some of these weird thoughts, right? And so in Acts chapter 8, uh, what was Philip's first job? Where did we first hear about our friend Philip? What chapter in the book of Acts? He was a deacon, right? What chapter was a deacon appointed? Anybody know? <laughs> it's Acts chapter 6, right? Uh, and so Acts chapter 6 uh, was Philip was a deacon. So was he an apostle? No, was he ever an apostle? No. What was it, what, in Acts chapter 21, what was uh, the role of Philip? What was he called then? He was called the evangelist, Philip the evangelist, right? But in Acts chapter 6, he was Philip the deacon. So somewhere between Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 20, 21, he was promoted to the role of evangelist, right? But here in Acts chapter 8, he's still just Philip the deacon. And it says in verse 5, that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was what? Great joy in that city. That sounds like the last verses we read, right? That God got glory when people were healed. Uh, but so Philip was, a, was just a deacon, right? But he was doing signs and wonders. In fact, uh, in, back over in Acts chapter 6, uh, uh, with, uh, um, in verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So Stephen, the deacon, his job was to wait on tables. That was waiting on tables and doing great signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. A lot of people do great signs and wonders and miracles want, want a job, right? They want to be famous. They want to be seen by everybody. He's still waiting on tables. Uh, and so, uh, so, has, so were the apostles the only ones doing miracles in the New Testament? No. Uh, regular old lay people, uh, laymen were doing because the deacon is not, I mean, some people, some denominations elevate deacon to almost the same as a pastor, really above the pastor, some deacon, some denominations, right? But the deacon was a, a, a table waiter, right? I mean, that's his job, to just clean the tables and feed the feed people. That's not really much of a, of a full-time ministry as far as uh, called of God from before the foundation of the world to, to uh, spread uh, uh, the teaching of the gospel. But they, they still did that work, right? Uh, and so... Uh, so the, these uh, non-apostles were doing miracles. So has the age of miracles passed? No, because God was using the ministers to do healing and signs and wonders. He was using the lay people to do signs and healing and wonders, right? He was doing, using really anybody, uh, uh, you know, even, even um, uh, in, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, turn over to Acts chapter 10. Uh, and it says uh, here in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man. And Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said, And in thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter, he lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Well, what did Peter tell him what they ought to do? Get born again. See, Cornelius wasn't even saved. And God did miracles, signs, and wonders with him by appearing to him supernaturally with an angel, an angelic messenger, and uh, visited him supernaturally because he loved God, right? Uh, he feared God. He loved God. Now, he didn't know Jesus. He wasn't even a Christian. But God moved on his behalf, didn't he? Was he an apostle? No. Did he, was he even a deacon? Was he even a Christian? Wasn't even a Christian. And God still moved on his behalf, didn't he? Amen. So if God moved on his behalf, will he move on our behalf? Uh, he will, right? Uh, and so uh, Brother Bosworth said about this statement, I wrote it down. Uh, he said, of all the present day traditions of the elders or ministers, this is the most foolish illogical and unscriptural of any that I know. And I put a note, I would have to concur with this statement. Uh, and so uh, it, it's the most foolish, illogical and unscriptural of any that I know. But, you know, I read that scripture there in 1 Corinthians 13. But you'd have to really take a square peg in a round hole to make 1 Corinthians 13 say that the age of miracles has come to an end, right? And yet, 
the problem many times when people approach the word of God, instead of approaching the word of God with an open heart, with a sincere desire to learn, they go with a with a uh, with an established idea and they're looking for a Bible that will that will support that idea, that tradition, that thought, instead of looking for what just what the word says and then making sure that their ideas or traditions conform to the word. They try to make the word conform to their ideas and, and you can do it. I mean, it's possible. It, it doesn't make any sense in it. And a an intelligent human being will say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you say that? That somehow first Corinthians 13 says that the age of miracles has come to an end, by the way, by, by reading of the word. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, he also went on to say that the age in which we live was intended by our heavenly father to be the most miraculous of all dispensations. You know, the seven dispensations in the word of God we're, we're in the sixth dispensation. The seventh dispensation is, is in the, the thousand year reign, the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, and so we're in the church age right now. It started uh, at the day of Pentecost, really, uh, and it will continue until the rapture. So that's in the dis- So we've been in the same dispensation for a long time. Right. Because the other dis- some of them lasted just, you know, the age of innocence was with, with Adam and Eve lasted for three chapters. Right. And then it was over. So that one didn't last very long at all. Uh, and so um, the dispensation is just the times and seasons that God operates with men on the earth. Uh, so uh, he always intended for this uh, dispensation to be uh, filled with signs and wonders and miracles. And in, in fact, uh, he, he mentioned John chapter 14. Let's turn over there to, chapter, to uh, verse 12. Jesus said here an amazing statement. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, or assuredly, or absolutely, 100%, I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Uh, well, I mean, we could stop right there and build a camp right there, right? But he goes on to say, in greater works than these shall he do, be, because I go unto my Father. Uh, and so, you know, that, that statement is just one of the most amazing statements that Jesus has ever said. But the works that I do shall he do also. Well, do we know anybody that, that has to this date even done at least the works that Jesus has done? I mean, Jesus is everywhere he goes. I mean, feeding the 5,000, walking on the water, right? I mean, passing through walls. You know, Jesus has some spectacular works, right? The works that I do shall you do also. So really, if you see Jesus do anything at all, then, then, then that's what we're supposed to be doing. The works that I do. So... Did Jesus have, you know, like a like a, a food truck that went around and, and fed people on the street? Did he have a did he have a homeless care shelter or something like that? Did, did he have have a, 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 a clothing exchange program or or a lending library or, or tape ministry? Or did Jesus have any really natural things going on at all? I mean, did he even, you know, some some seasons of his life, he had nowhere to lay his head. Right. Some of the other times he did. But, uh, you know, one time he said, I have nowhere to lay my head. Right. But other times he did. You know, they said, well, we want to see where you're staying. We'll come and show, I'll show you where I'm staying. So uh, but there were times when he didn't have a place to stay uh, just physically. Right. And so. Uh, so what works, what works could he possibly be talking about? Did he do anything natural at all? Did he have a ministerial association? Did he have a partner club? Did, you, did he have a, you know, send me a dollar. I'll send you a little bottle of, you know, anointed oil, you know, from straight from the John the Baptist Association and. I mean, did he, did he have anything like that going on? I mean, nothing, right? He had no natural works going on at all. There was nothing that you could go and join uh, and be part of some natural event that Jesus was, was managing as part of his ministry. So the only works that Jesus did were supernatural works. You know, raising the dead and healing the sick and, and, and preaching the gospel. He did that a, a bunch. Teaching the word of God a bunch. Uh, uh, and so, but... You know, if it was only teaching and preaching, then that's not really the works of Jesus, because every minister prior to Jesus, including John the Baptist, did that. Right. But John the Baptist had no we have no record of any miracles that John the Baptist ever did. Uh, And so he could have just said if it was only preaching the word, then the works that John the Baptist did shall you do also. I mean, he didn't need to elevate it up to him. He could have just left it at the level of John the Baptist and be good with that. Right. Any of the prophets, you know, I mean, we don't know Malachi. We don't have any evidence of Malachi ever raised anybody from the dead. You know, he was a prophet, the last prophet of the Old Testament that we have record of. Uh, why did he say the, the works that Malachi did? Preaching the gospel, right, uh, by inspiration of the Lord. And so 
No, when he's talking about the works that he do, he's talking about the supernatural works. Uh, and, and to come to any other conclusion would be a violation of the simple reading of the word of God. Uh, it, and, you know, people will, will go to painful, long, uh, complicated explanations why that's not true. And yet, if you're just a simple-minded person like all of us should be when it comes to reading the word, when we read, read, he said, the works that I do shall you do also. Praise God. We can do the same works. Is that what the simple reading says? And not only does that, but what, what do you say next? Greater works than these shall you do uh, because I go to the Father. Uh, and, and so, uh, and the greater works can be looked at in one or two different ways. One way is uh, works that Jesus never did. Was there any examples where Jesus prayed for the restoration of, of a missing limb? We had a withered hand, right? We had a, that was close, but it was there. But it was withered, so it got straightened back up. That's great, but there was never a case where there was no hand. And then it was restored, right? And yet we read stories where Azusa Street, back uh, uh, with uh, uh, William Seymour, and it was, some of them were the, were the children in the, in the church that would go pray for people before the service started, and the limb would grow out. Well, that's really a greater work than Jesus did, in a sense that he never did that, right? So, uh, and the other way to look at it is, uh, how many miracles could Jesus do? Uh, you know, when he was on the earth and he was in Galilee, uh, were there any miracles being done in Egypt? No, because Jesus could only be one place, right? Uh, you know, now, in the spirit realm, he can be everywhere at the same time. How that works, I don't know, but, you know, he can be because he's God. But when he was on the earth, he was limited to being only where he was. So now, how many Christians are there in the earth? Well, there's a billion Christians or so in the earth. That means we can spend the entire earth all at the exact same time, uh, any time we want to. So we can do not only greater works in the actual work itself, but also in the quantity of works. We can just do more. A billion people can always do more than one person can do, right? It's probably pretty close because Jesus is pretty good, right? Uh, but still, uh, the, uh, the works that we do. So, so we should never limit uh, God, right? The other thing I, I think sometimes people limit God is, is they say that we can only do miracles that are listed in the Bible. If, if the miracle is not listed in the Bible, then it won't be God. But the problem I have with that is if that was true, then Jesus didn't have a ministry. Because there was nobody walking on water before Jesus walked on water, was there? There's nobody passing through the, the crowds before Jesus passed through the crowds. Um, you know, there was people raised from the dead, so that was OK. But no, did anybody part the Red Sea before Moses did? No, so Moses had been like, Lord, can't do it. There's nobody else done this, so, you know. So, you know, you can't limit God to only recorded miracles. Of, of, of We can only do things that are listed in the word of God because then, then, then you can't do verse 12 because it's greater works than these. So greater works would have to be works that were not done by Jesus, right? Works that are bigger than what Jesus did then, uh, or, or more spectacular, you know, how you measure greater, I don't know, but, you know, greater sounds, sounds to me like it means greater, right? Something that Jesus didn't do. So if it's something that Jesus didn't do, then it would clearly have to not be in the word of God because if it's in the word of God, then it's a work that he already did. So, so we don't want to limit God. You know, I think sometimes people say that because they don't want to be found to be outside the will of God, right? They don't want to do something that would be ungodly. Uh, but it's really easy because, uh, to, to test it because when a miracle happens, who's getting the glory? Whoever gets the glory, that tells you whether it's God or not, right? Who's getting the attention? Um, and, and you remember when, the, when that, uh, that book was going around, the Bible that was leaking oil, right? Remember that? It was a few years ago. Uh, who's getting all the attention? What was getting all the attention? That book in a tub, right? Was Jesus getting the attention? No, it was a book. Come see the book, right? Uh, well, to me, it was, if the book's getting the glory, not the Lord, or the people carrying the book's getting the glory, but not the Lord, then, I mean, it seems something a little suspicious to me, right? I mean, I'm not the Lord, you know, but um, it seems a little suspicious to me, right? But we read all those examples where, and they glorified God. Well, if they're glorifying God, sounds pretty good to me, right? Then do it all, amen? Uh, and so the age of miracles has not passed. And in fact, he said that the Holy Spirit did all the work through Jesus, right? I and mean, if we go back to... Uh, to, to John, I think he mentions this later on somewhere, but uh, in John chapter 5, uh, he said in verse 30, 
an amazing statement, right? Well, let's start. Let's read verse 19 and we'll, then we'll read verse 30. He said, then answered Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the father do for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. Uh, in verse 30, he said, I can of mine own self do nothing. So how did Jesus do the things that he did? If he can of mine own self do nothing, but by what power did he do the things that he did? The power of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, is that a different Holy Spirit than we have today? Uh, is it like, do we have like, you know, like a second grade Holy Spirit? I mean, this is maybe like this, like the Holy Spirit's lesser known cousin that we have now. And, and uh, but Jesus had the main Holy Spirit and we got the funky Holy Spirit that's kind of working his way up. You know, someday be the full Holy Spirit. No, we got the exact same Holy Spirit, right? It's not lesser Holy Spirit. We got the exact same Holy Spirit, right? Now, I know we do have as far as individually, we have a measure. Jesus had the spirit without measure. So that there is a difference there. But as far as. Um, if, G, if the Holy Spirit is doing the work, then it's not us doing the work. So however big a work the Holy Spirit wants to do would be sufficient, right? So uh, if you remember, Jesus talked a lot about the Spirit of God. He said, it's, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I leave, then the Holy Spirit will come. So, so before, before Jesus left, where was the Holy Spirit contained? Only in the physical body of Jesus, Right. So everywhere Jesus went, he carried the power of God with him, right? Remember in Luke chapter 5, it says the power of God was present to heal them. Why was it present to heal him? Because Jesus was present. If Jesus was present, then the Holy Spirit was present to heal him. Uh, and so now Jesus has left the scene. He's in heaven, but who did he send in his place? Holy Spirit. So now where is the Holy Spirit contained? In the lives of all of us. So, uh, so everywhere we go, we can say, just like it said in Luke chapter 5, that the power of God is present to heal just because we have arrived. We bust up the door. Boys, I'm here. The power of God is present to heal. Who needs healing, right? Why, why could you say that? Because the power of God is in you. And, and as long as we know that the power comes from the Holy Spirit, not because we're such wonderful people, right? Which blah, blah, blah. You know, people get the big head sometimes. You know, like you did anything, right? I mean, all you did was show up and breathe air and the power of God, the Holy Spirit, did all the rest of the work, right? And so how much glory do you deserve for that? You know, I mean, do you go out and, and, and bow down and worship the UPS guy because they delivered a package? Oh, thank you for delivering this package. Uh, no, you're more excited about the package, right? You don't forget the package and go, oh, you're, so, you're such a wonderful delivery guy, you know? I mean, just ask my dog. He hates them all, right? He wants to eat them all. Uh, uh, and so... No, and I'm not trying to disparage, you know, male people or, or um, UPS d delivery people. But, uh, but, you know, you're not, you're not excited because you see them. You're excited because what they're bringing. Amen. And you're bringing the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, he said uh, that it was the Holy Spirit that did all the works uh, through the disciples in the book of Acts. Uh, and he's, the, he's still the one. Uh, it's on the, on the earth drawing all men to Jesus. He said, if the Holy Spirit is still around, then he is still in the healing business. Uh, and I just like that. That's why I wrote that that way, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit did all the work through Jesus in the Gospels. Isn't that what Jesus said? I can of mine own self do nothing. Zero. So Jesus came as a man anointed by God, right? What does Acts 10.38 say? That how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and what? And power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. So God, the Father, anointed Jesus' Son with the Holy Spirit. So it's, a, it's, it's the Trinity, right? It, he, he always take, talks. Uh, it, it's a team effort, right? It, it's the design of the will of the Father. It's the, the execution by Jesus as the head of the church. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that, that gets the work done. Uh, and so he did all the works through Jesus the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit did all the works through the disciples in Acts. And he's still the one that draws all men to, the, to Jesus today, right? I mean, no, any Bible scholar in any, any denomination would have to tell you that, yeah, the Holy Spirit's drawing all men unto him, right? That's, that's part of his ministry on the earth. Um, and if he's doing all that, then he's still around and he still is doing healing in the earth. Amen. Uh, and so it's really up to us to yield to that right it's up to us to learn how to yield to the move of the holy spirit uh, and so uh, in every dispensation there was miracles that occurred and they were all done by the holy spirit uh, and so and the last statement that he made is 
if the Holy Spirit is permanently on the earth, and he is, right? Because who sent him here? Jesus did, right? Then how is it possible that miracles have ended? And, you know, and that's, I mean, uh, it just makes walking around sense that if the, if the Spirit of God is on the earth today, then there has to be miracles being done on the earth today. Uh, and they're going to be done through men, right? Uh, through us, through men and women in the church. Uh, and so, uh, what time we got? Oh, yeah, we got time. Because he goes through a bunch of these. Goes. Uh, another one, he says that uh, uh, it is not God's will to heal all. That's one of the reasons why people don't receive healing, because they believe that it's not God's will to heal all. That it is God's will to heal some, but not heal all. Right? And that goes back to what we said, that uh, you have to, your faith can only be dependent on the word of God. It can't be dependent on, uh, because miracles don't produce faith, right? Miracles encourage us, they, they get us energized, but what our, faith, our faith is only based upon what the word of God says. And, our, and one phrase that Brother Bothrus had said earlier in his book that, that it helps us understand how faith operates, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. So the will of God is known and exposed by the word of God. We find out what the word of God says. We go, okay, that's the will of God. Then, then I believe that. That's how faith operates, right? We've, we're reading the scriptures, searching the scriptures to find out what God has said. Did he make a promise? Did he guarantee that we can obtain this thing? Whatever this thing is, right? So is there any New Testament promise that we can guarantee to raise the dead? No, because we already covered that right earlier. But there's no promise that God said, I will, I will always raise the dead. And by my stripes, I will raise your physical body up no matter how often you die. Well, then nobody's ever going to die, right? So, I mean, at some point, we're all going to die. Right? We all know that. There's no promise that you will live forever. In fact, if you remember uh, there at the, at the end of the book of John, when, uh, when they were talking about what's going on, and, and Peter said, uh, Jesus told Peter, you know, I'm going to lead you around, you know, by, by the Spirit. And he said, what about, uh, what about uh, John? What are you going to do with him? And he said, if I, if I want him to stay around till I come back, that's, that's between me and him. That's none of your business. Uh, and so the rumor went out that, that John was never going to die. But Jesus never said, I'm, I'm going to let him live forever. He just said, if I want him to live forever, I would let him live forever. So, which is true, but he never said that. Uh, and so there's no promise that we can live forever. So, uh, so that means that we will die. So if you die, can we raise you from the dead? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Don't, don't push it, right? Well, I'm just going to go die and let him raise me from the dead. Well, the Lord may be like, dummy, you know, get in line over there because, you know, you ain't going back, right? Uh, and so uh, you, you just, uh, there's no guarantee, amen? Uh, and so, but on healing, we do have a, a guarantee, right? So it is not God's will to heal all. Uh, and so, um, and really the conclusion that we have to come to when you read the word of God is and, and we say that around here is that it's the will of God to heal every single time, no exceptions. Uh, and and if you understand what we're saying in that, we're saying that it's from God's perspective, on His side, His desire. What is His desire when a sick person comes into His presence? His desire is that person is, is healed every single time because that's the experience we saw. That's the example we saw with the with the Lord Jesus. Right, every single person that came to Jesus was healed, not a single exception, not one. So, and he did that for a reason, to let us know that every single person who comes to him will get healed. But then, then people then want to say, well, then that means everybody should be healed, uh, that God will heal everybody. Uh, but then you go to the example of the Pool of Bethesda, right? How many people did Jesus approach at the Pool of Bethesda? In John chapter 5, right? Just, just one fellow. Was that one fellow healed? Sure. Was anybody else healed that we know of? No, but they said there's a great multitude there. Well, why was only one God? So, so therefore, it's not God's will to heal everybody. I mean, uh, God doesn't always get what he desires, right? When it comes to man, he doesn't always get what he desires. Because doesn't the Bible say that he, he wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? So then it means everybody gets to go to heaven, right? No. His desire is for everyone to come to heaven. Everyone that comes to him will get to go to heaven. And, and a few people that he may just for sovereignly just show up, say, hey, I'm God. Right? What did he do on, on, in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus? Who did he appear to? He appeared to the apostle Paul, right? At that time, he was still Saul. Saul, the terrible person, right? Uh, and so 
But he appeared to Saul, didn't he? And he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Uh, and so, can God appear to every single person in the world? He could if he wanted to, right? I mean, there's no, there's, as far as I know, there's no limits to why he could or could not do that. Uh, is he going to? No, because there's no promise in the Bible that said he would. He, said, he's not, he never said, I'll appear all, to all men supernaturally uh, as in a vision or in a physical form to convince them to get saved. He did for Paul. Uh, but every other person that came to Jesus, were they saved? Sure, right? Because he said, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be what? You'll be saved. So, you know, they, and, and people just, they try to do these smoke screens to, to hurt your faith, right? But just, just make sure that you say it the right way, that as far as God is concerned, his desire for every single person is that every single person gets healed. That doesn't mean every single person is going to get healed, right? His desire is for them to happen. And if, it, and if it's up to him and him only, it will happen. But sometimes we have a part to play in it. If we're in sin or unforgiveness or whatever, 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 there may be some hindrances to it. If we don't believe in that stuff, you know, we don't believe in that stuff. Uh, you know, you may never get healed, right? Now you could, because God does. Sometimes he will move sovereignly, right? But there's no guarantee for that. So, uh, uh, so when people say it's not God's will to heal all, then, they, then there's no way they can have any biblical faith for healing anytime, right? Because uh, faith begins where the will of God is known. So if, and, I, and I've told you when we first started here, I had some Pentecostals come to me. Pentecostals, right? Not, these weren't denomination people, you know, one, one, one Pentecostal in particular. You really believe it's God's will to heal every time? I said, absolutely. And they left it and they, and they shook their head and said, I'm just going to have to think about that. I'm thinking, well, how long would you have to think about that? How long would you have to decide is the loving, kind, precious God that we all serve? Would he ever want any of his children to be sick and unwell? Is there when I'm, not, I'm talking about his will, right? His desire. Uh, and that's what he's it's not God's will to heal. So you're saying it's God's desire that some people remain sick. In what capacity would, would that be a true statement? Right. Never, ever. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, but that 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 if you believe that, then you may never get healed because you can't have faith for your own healing. Because what you're going to do is you're going to go up to the prayer line and you're going to be in, in line and you're going to wait till hands laid on you. And you're going to say, well, if I'm healed, then it was God's will. If I don't get healed, then it wasn't God's will. Uh, and, and so was there any faith exercised in that moment? Then none, because you don't know if it's God's will. You're just rolling the dice. See what happens. That's not the faith, right? That's rolling the dice. Amen. Can you, go to, can you go to Las Vegas in faith? Every time I roll the dice, I'm going to get a seven, right? I don't know what good num- what's a good number for rolling the dice. Is seven good or bad? I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, can you have faith for that? No, you can't have faith for that. Uh, and so, but that's what people do. They go up in prayer line, and if they got healed, then, then it must have been God's will. But, you know, uh, on, uh, and we don't have a lot of time to go on that, but people do that all the time. They go through some experience of life, Maybe they're trying to get a job or maybe they're trying to buy a house or trying to get a loan for a car or something. And they go the process and it falls through. And what do they say? It must have not been God's will to get that thing, right? Which is fine, except that's dumb. Because number one, don't you have the spirit of God in you? Didn't the Bible say that he would lead you and guide you into all truth and show you things to come? Didn't he say he would reveal his will, right? Fill you with the real knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Didn't he say not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is? Did he tell us those things? So if he told us those things, we should go into this process knowing what the will of God is and then believing, Lord, you said this, will, this is your will right here. So it's really a cop-out to say it must not have been God's will for that to happen. You don't know. You're judging the will of God only by what you can observe in the natural realm. How do you know that, that, that uh, what you observe in the natural realm was the will of God? Someone dies outside of church, outside the Lord Jesus, and you know they're going to go to hell. Would you look at them and say, well, it must not be God's will for them to get to heaven because, look, they obviously died outside of God and they went to hell. So God must have wanted them to go to hell. Could we ever say something like that? No. But how many times do we say stuff like that, silly things like that, right? I hear preachers say it. I hear Pentecostal charismatic preachers say things like that. that well, it must have not been God's will, right, to, for us to get that loan. Well, you should have never started that loan process until you knew it was the will of God to get it. You don't start your process and because, you know, if you go down and ask for a hundred thousand dollar loan or ten thousand dollar loan, whatever it is, they're going to say, well, let's just make it 50. Let's make it five hundred thousand. 
They'd love to pile it up on you, right? Pile you up in debt. Well, look, it was God's will to get me in more debt. <laughs> really? Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing, right? Uh, and so, so uh, is it God's will to heal us every single time, 100% of the time, with no exceptions? Yes. It is, yes, yes, right? And that's the only faith you can have. What about when you're praying for somebody else? Is it God's will every single time without exception to heal them? Yes. It is, right? Now, will they always be healed? Now, that you don't know. Uh, I mean, that's your faith. And unless the Lord tells you otherwise, then that's what you go with, right? If the Lord says, nope, they're not going to be healed because of this, this, or this. Well, that's on them, not on you, not on the word of God. That's on them. It's not on God's will. It's not on God's word. It's not on your faith. It's not on the move of the Spirit of God. It's on them, right? And sometimes that's the case, right? If you don't know, because there's a lot of times you pray for people, especially as they get older and, and maybe they're not well. They just want to go home to be with the Lord. They don't want the, the fight of faith. They don't want the, and, and you know, I'm not disparaging them. They just want to, they just want, they want to end the, the, the pain and agony. And, you know, then, then your faith will never work for someone like that. And the will of God will never be fulfilled in her life. That doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means, you know, they just don't want the, the pain and difficulty of what they're going with. Amen. That's why you never want to wait till you're sick to start believing God for healing. Because the last thing you want to do is to be in faith when you're, when you're not well. Last thing you want to do is pray and read your word, read the word of God when you're not well. What you want to do is lay there like a slug and just, you know, hope that it, get, it passes eventually, right? And, and that's sometimes all you can do if you're not well. So, you know, uh, if their will is against your will, if their will is to not get healed, then you can believe God all day long. It's not going to happen. Amen. So, but God's side, from his side, it's always his will. He, not, he doesn't want any of us to die sick. He doesn't even want us to die unwell. Uh, when it's time for us to go, he's going to say, hey, next Thursday, I want you to come home. All right. On the on, way out the door, turn the light off and just go home to be with the Lord. That's his, that's his perfect will. Amen. Uh, it, are people terrible people if they don't go that way? No, I'm not disparaging anybody. You just, you know, uh, plan now, right? Train yourself now so that you don't have to uh, go that way. Amen. Amen. So we, we, and, and you should never disparage anybody that's not well and, and is not going to get healed. Uh, that would be unkind, right? We're not disparaging anybody's faith or, or anything. We just want to focus on what's God's will. So 100% of the time, no exception, God's will to heal every single person. Amen? Uh, and so we'll pick this up again next week um, and look at other things there. But he's got several good examples here. We've got a couple more in this section and, and, and questions after that. Amen? So I want to pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for blessing us. We thank you, Father, that it is your will to heal us in that the age of miracles has not ceased, Father. In fact, the age of miracles should be greater now than it's ever been. Where there, there are more people with the Spirit of God living on the inside of them today, Father, than any time in the history of man. And so, Father, we expect to see greater miracles. We expect to see greater healings, Father, greater signs and wonders, uh, because you've sent the Spirit of God into us, and we are the same carriers of the power of God, uh, Lord, that you were. Everywhere we go, we carry the power of the Almighty God in our hearts and our physical bodies, Father. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can be healed in our own bodies, but also, Father, we can deliver healing to those around us. And, Father, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, uh, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. You know, I just want to encourage you. Um, meditate on a lot of these verses that we talk about a lot, especially around that you're the, that you're the carrier of the power of God like Jesus was. And the, the, the scripture there in John about the, the works that he, do, that he did that shall we, we shall do also. And greater works than these uh, shall we do because he goes to the Father. You know, it's good to meditate on that because it, it increases your vision for, Lord, I can do that. You know, you, you may not have a healing ministry, so to speak, you know, on TV or whatever. But you could pray for your neighbor. You can pray for the people at Walmart. You can pray for, you know, a lot of people you can pray for and, and don't have to be seen, right? Just you and them. Hey, can I pray for you? Is it okay? You know, and someone you know is not well in the hospital. Go, Lord, is it okay if I pray for you? Yeah, you know, because very few people will tell you no. Most people, oh, yeah, absolutely, 100% pray for me, right? Come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, and uh, we receive the offering. I did have one person tell me no, you know, and <laughs> which I, you know, I thought it was really odd. Hey, can I come down and pray for you? Nope. No. Really? You mean not? Nope. Uh, and it, it was, uh, you know, charismatic, too. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't a, um, just, uh, you know, someone who didn't believe in healing. Uh, and it's like, okay, so what happened? Well, they died, you know. I mean, they didn't die because I didn't pray for them, but they died, you know. Uh, and so, 
But that's pretty rare. Uh, it's pretty rare that I ask somebody if it's okay if I pray for them, and they say no. Amen? Uh, most people be glad for you to pray for them. And so when you pray for them, what do you pray? 100% it's the will of God for them to be healed. Right? Uh, well, how do you know? Unless the Lord speaks to you, you just, you just go with what the Word says. Because He doesn't have to repeat the Word. He doesn't have to say, yes, it's my will to heal them. He already told us that in His Word, right? So the only thing He would have to tell you is, in this case, they can't be healed because of what they've done or what they, what's going on with them. If, they, if the Lord doesn't tell you that, then you've got a green light. Pray for everybody. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, praise God. Well, have a wonderful week in the Lord. Uh, uh, go pray for somebody. Amen? If you do, let us know, right? We want to know because part of, the cl- part, part of the purpose of this class is to train you all that you all have the ability to do praying for people just like anybody does. Amen? You don't have to be a minister to do that. Uh, and, you know, if all of us are praying for people, how, much, how many more people can we pray for, right? A lot of people. Amen? So be blessed. Have a wonderful week, Lord, and uh, you're dismissed.